How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I sit down with my good friends at Mind Pump. Mind Pump is one of the top fitness podcasts around. These guys are experts when it comes to gaining muscle, dropping fat, building strength, and so much more. They're some of the nicest and friendliest people on the planet, and so I was really thrilled to get to go up to San Jose, which is where their gym is, and really get to sit down with them and ask them some of the burning fitness questions that you guys um, sent my way over Instagram. So this is going to be a really fun roundtable discussion. And you know, one of the one of my favorite things about the Mind Pump guys is that you know, as smart as they are, and for the level of influence that they've achieved in the fitness community, they are never condescending and never cynical, which is something that I really, really appreciate. So I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, this episode of The Genius Life is brought to you by my friends at Nordic Naturals. Nordic Naturals makes, hands down, my favorite fish oil on the market. Their products are tested for purity. They are always super fresh, and I know this because I actually chew the capsules and taste the fish oil uh, whenever I take fish oil. And their products are very high potency, and they also contain the superior triglyceride form of the EPA and DHA fatty acids, which is the equivalent form found in food. I've been a huge fan of Nordic Naturals since way before they decided to uh, graciously sponsor my podcast, The Genius Life. So consider them when you are shopping for fish oil. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And they also have a number of different blends that I'm psyched about right now. I'm using one that contains curcumin and glutathione. You can check it out on my Instagram. I've posted it a few times on my stories. And yeah, that's it. Really high quality stuff. And you know that I'm a fan of fish oil, so... Um, check them out. All right, guys, we're just seconds away from my episode with the wonderful guys at Mind Pump. Take a moment, if you can, to share this episode of the podcast on social media, leave a rating and review on iTunes, or join my newsletter at maxlugavere.com. I know I keep harping on about these three ways that you can support this podcast um, every episode, but it really is meaningful and helpful, and it helps me uh, to you know continue week after week to bring you high-quality episodes featuring great guests and packed with high-quality information. So again, join my newsletter, maxlugavere.com, spread the word about The Genius Life, and leave that rating and review on iTunes. Very easy to do. It's free, and it contains no calories. All right, guys. Well, that's enough for me. Thank you so much for listening. And now on with the show. All right. So um, this is like my show now, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The tables have turned. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome, guys, to The Genius Life. It's good to have you. Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of yours. Adam, say hi. Hey, hey. What's up? Sal. What's up? How you doing? Justin. Hello. All right. These are the men of Mind Pump Media. Ugh. They're here to answer all of your burning fitness questions. I've uh, actually polled my Instagram followers. I told you guys offline, got all of the uh, hot topics in the in the fitness world and the mm -hmm. fitness zeitgeist that I'm going to ask you guys later in this episode. Um, but let's just start because I really want my audience to get to know you guys. I'm a huge fan, as I said, and you guys have. I'm so grateful that you've had me on your show, your amazing show, a number of times. Um, but let's like start. At the beginning, like, what's Mind Pump all about? What are you guys out here trying to do? Uh, well, we all we all have backgrounds in fitness as personal trainers, uh, managing gyms, managing other trainers, and just working with clients for a very, very long time. And we've done other businesses as well, but our, our passions always were in fitness. And the funny thing is, before Mind Pump, 
I personally had never known or really known Adam or Justin. Um, I, I really met them right before we started Mind Pump, but I had heard of them because we'd all um, been top performers at uh, 24 Hour Fitness. That's kind of where we all started our our careers. Um, and just to make a, a long story short, I, I created a fitness program with Doug. Uh, Doug was one of my clients when I was a personal trainer. I had known of Adam. I wanted his opinion on this program because I'd known people who we've known mutually said that this guy is really great, um, you know, real smart dude, good with sales and marketing and fitness. And so I said, you know, he'd be a great guy to have uh, get his opinion. I sent him my program. I sent him my promotional materials. He loved it, calls me up. We get on the phone and we decide that we're all going to meet and, and, and all talk about maybe doing something together. And it, the first time we all sat down, it was probably a three-hour conversation. It was, it was uh, chemistry right away, which is great conversation, great chemistry. And all of us agreed on some fundamental things, things that I considered non-negotiables walking into that meeting. I knew we were going to talk about going into business, and there were certain things that I had you know, deemed to myself that I just wouldn't change. And the funny thing is they had deemed the same exact things. Mm. You know, one of them was integrity. Um, we weren't going to compromise, uh, or I wasn't going to compromise my integrity. They had agreed. We wanted to tell the truth about fitness. And, and fitness is a space that is so riddled with false information and lies. It's so driven by people's insecurities. It's driven by preying on your insecurities, making you feel not good enough, not muscular enough. You're fat, you're ugly. Um, the workouts, there is no science that goes into the workouts. It's all about beating the crap out of you, out of you, making you sweat, therefore making you think that you're doing a good job. Um, people are either getting hurt or not getting good results or they get good results and then three months later they gain all the weight back. And we had seen this firsthand as personal trainers. And so we're like, number one, we're going to tell the truth, even mm -hmm. if that means we're not going to make as much money. Which is on. radical these days, which it, is weird. It's, it's very strange. It's funny. Us telling the truth, we were the guys that are like crazy. Yeah. Because there's so many, you know, everybody been telling lies for so long. And we all agreed that our goal, you know, when we all talked about, okay, what would be the ultimate goal of this, of this podcast that we're going to start and then eventually this media company? And the goal was to take the, the fitness industry, which is this huge ship, and shift it and just change its direction a little bit and make it so that the best way to sell fitness is to tell the truth. Um, because if you can't change that, if you can't change those perceptions – then you're going to be fighting everybody and you'll lose. And so our approach was, we're going to start a podcast. <clears throat> we're going to be entertaining and funny because that's what gets people's attention. And then we're going to we're going to do a good job of communicating the information that we know to be the most effective and important things to communicate. And that's kind of how it started. And none of us had any experience in any of this stuff. I mean, oh, Doug, no. terrible. Doug had a, yeah. Doug had equipment. Um, he had. You know, as a hobby, he liked, uh, you know, kind of new media stuff. So he had mics and he had cameras and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But none of us really had any experience I doing any of this. I drank a lot in the beginning <laughs> just to deal with it. It's, it's funny. And for the first year, we didn't monetize a single thing. The goal was just let's get good information out there. Let's see if we can build an audience to see if we can really help people and resonate. And um, the rest is history. And it's been a great time this whole time. It's so dope. And Adam, you're like a professional. You've competed as a bodybuilder, right? Yeah, but I did it, though, with the intention of of growing a network of people. So while Sal was building uh, the first MAPS anabolic program that we did and we hadn't met yet, I had also been re-entering the fitness space. So I've been in the industry for a really long time. I took a, a slight 
three-year hiatus to follow uh, medical marijuana for a little while. I started up some businesses in that, found that that wasn't fulfilling for me at all and wanted to come back into fitness. And when I came back into fitness, I was really just starting. In fact, I, I, met, I met Taylor who works for the company now who had built this uh, online business and he had built it through Facebook and Twitter. And up until that point, I had heard of people building a social media business, and but I have never met anyone myself. So I'm not distracted by this at this time. I'm just like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not paying attention to Instagram, Facebook, and all this shit. I wasn't at all. Paying. In fact, I didn't have any of those accounts until I met this kid who was only like 23 years old. He'd built a six-figure business off of Twitter and Facebook and only about a 10,000 following. And what I saw that was so brilliant that he did was uh, I'm in this this sneaker world. I love sneakers, and um, I'm one of those idiot people that will pay double the price for retail for a pair that I really want. I know it's absurd. Leave the tag on his shoes. Yeah, things like that. These guys tease me about, Pretty right? Cool. So this is how we got connected. We met is he is the guy who brokers or introduces me to the guy that has the shoes that I want. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like, hey, there's a Jordan, Jordan 5s. I want them. I would reach out to him via Twitter or what like that. He connects me. He's the guy. Put us together. Now, that's not that wasn't revolutionary. I'd heard of that. I'd used brokers before, but what Taylor had done that was so brilliant was he didn't charge anything. He saw the big picture of building a network of this people that are like-minded and into the same thing that he did it all for free to gain a lot of popularity really quick in that community. And then he asserted himself as an authority in the in the sneaker world. And then he flipped that into a online merch account where he's selling t-shirts and air fresheners and clocks and they got sneakers on it. And it was very successful. And that was just like a mind blow experience for me to sit and hear this kid tell me all this. And that was the I went home the next day, literally turned on my Instagram and was like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm just now getting back into fitness. And it was perfect timing because I was in the worst shape of my life. I was 30 years old. I was at 20% body fat, and I'm just now getting back into this space. I thought, okay, I didn't know what to post. But I thought, okay, this will be perfect. I'm going to share my journey. I'm going to show people. I'm going to put myself out there because what I'm seeing is all this superficial, fake bullshit, which, by the way, uh, anyone who's been following me for a really long time probably knows this. Otherwise, uh, I don't know anybody that was doing this before me in the fitness space that was posting a shitty photo of myself, what I looked like first thing in the morning when I got up, no flex, no good lighting. And I would I would present that. And then I would show people like the things that I was doing in order to lose body fat and to get in shape. And it was very counter the common the common message. It was what I was seeing and reading was beast mode, no days off, the leg means are going, you know, all all out. Like this is just kind of the the vocabulary. And I'm going like, no, the, all the clients that I help, this is the off. This is an awful message. This mm. leads to the yo-yo, dieting and losing and going back. And so, I when I was putting my message out, I was sharing people like, hey, today's day one, and um, I I made better food choices today. I ate from home all day long. I walked for 15, 20 minutes, and I did ten minutes of weights with the silver girly weights in the corner. Mm. And I would tell people that, and I, and I would explain that you know my goal is to do as little as possible to elicit the most amount of change. And so I'm sharing this journey of me from going from fat to fit, and it gained a bunch of traction. 
I mean, I, I started getting hundreds and then thousands of people. Because, of course, at the beginning, no one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. But then after I actually got some traction, after seeing me go from 20% body fat down to 15 and then 10 and then eventually down to 7% body fat, which what I said, and I called this out early and documented the whole thing was, okay, I'm starting day one. I'm going to go from the worst shape of my my life, which is at 20-something percent right now, and I'm going to go to the best shape of my life. And I announced that I had never seen anything less than 9%. That's the leanest I'd ever try to get in my life. I never cared about competing, never into that stuff. Uh, and, you know, a 10% lean body is a decent enough looking body for me. Yeah. Right. So I said, okay, but I'm going to go all, I'm going to go further. And I did. I went all the way down to 7% body fat and documented the whole thing. And it gained so much traction that I was going, man, maybe I'll just take this a step further. Like, let's get crazy and go get on stage. Up until this point, I don't know anything about the community. I don't know bodybuilding shit. I've never watched a show. I don't know any pros. I don't know any of this stuff. But I do know they have this category called men's physique, which looks obtainable. You know, I look at it, and at that time, it was only two or three years in, and I'm going like, Okay, I could I could do that. I could wear board shorts. I don't have great legs. No speedos. Yeah, no speedos. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, a down it, downside. Right. It, it doesn't it doesn't look like I'm going to have to take copious amounts of freaking steroids to get there. I'm like, okay, I, I could I could do this, and so I, I announced that that I'm gonna I'm gonna try and compete in my first show. And I also uh, had gone around at this time and kind of shopped uh, coaches for the for the industry for the area. Right, like who who was coaching all these pro athletes and quickly found out that they didn't know shit. And I didn't express that to them. I, you know, asked some questions, found out, and realized, oh, wow, these guys are given really bad information. So I was like, okay, no thanks. I'll do this. Tilapia way. and broccoli. That's well, what yeah. I yeah. do all day. Yeah, and when I realized that, okay, if this, these guys are considered the experts in our area for this, and I know more than them, well, why, am I, why would I hire them to help me with a show? I'll just do it myself. So I just decided to do it myself mm-hmm. and, uh, and shared the whole process, and that just gained a ton of traction on Instagram. And it was that's what orig- originally gave the first – initial audience that then could listen to mine because at the same time I'm doing that Sal was working on building his program he had just shared it with me I'm like oh this is great and I'm constantly telling him like get on Instagram this is the new platform you need to start getting onto if you're going to catapult this and he's over there working on his program we're getting together Justin and I were working on an app that time and when we finally merged everything together and launched the podcast probably my initial you know 15 or 20,000 people that were following me uh, were the first few because I tell people too the conversion of what actually listened from that you know I had twenty thousand probably following me we probably got five hundred listens or so that started listening to Mind Pump originally from that audience and because the message I think resonated with all of them uh, it just started to share and literally the the business still today in fact uh, at the end of this month when our new podcast website launches will be the first time we allocate funds towards marketing the podcast and pushing it out there. Up until this point, it's been 100% word of mouth and people just sharing uh, the information that we were providing. Yeah. One of our first uh, viral episodes was an early one. I don't remember what episode it was. It was definitely before 10, um, but it was uh, female fitness myths. um, And it got Mm. shared like crazy. And it was stuff that we had told clients for, for years, but people just didn't hear on a broad scale. For example, here's a, here's a good one. Toned, is a made-up word. <laughs> Muscles don't tone. They either build or they shrink. It's a it's a term that's invented by the fitness industry to attract women to work out, and then they create workouts that just tone and don't build. But the reality is they either build or they don't. And so 
we shattered some of these myths that we had been talking about forever to our clients, but people didn't hear on, on that kind of a, a medium and they yeah. just shared it like crazy. And it's one of the things that catapulted us to, to where we're at now. Yeah. Cause I, f- I feel like females can, would be repelled by the word build, right? Like who, what, what girl wants to like get, you know, all, uh, like the GI Jane effect, right? Like that's all, right. All bulky. Yeah, that's it's 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 funny, and I, this was something that I used to I proud you know I used to pride myself in, in communicating to my female clients, and that look, uh, toning first of all again like I said it's an it's an invented word. What we want to do is we want to build muscle. Now of course I understand that you don't want to look uh, like a bodybuilder, but you do want a more tight feeling body, and you do want a faster metabolism, and that's the best way to get a faster metabolism is to build muscle. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and build muscle. And if at any point you look in the mirror and say to me, Sal, this is about as much muscle as I like to build, then we're fine. We'll just take a step back and we'll go easy from there. But it doesn't happen overnight. You work out with weights. You work out pretty regularly. You're a man. How hard is it to build a lot of muscle? So I've been trying to get jacked for 20 years. <laughs> I still can't hold a candle to either of you guys. Like even, even half of Sal has yeah. like more muscle than me. It doesn't happen overnight. And yeah. so this is what we try to communicate on the podcast. And the cool thing about the medium of podcasting, it's hard to communicate that in a short medium. Like if I was on TV mm. and I only had five minutes to communicate that, be very difficult. Oh, but now pump, we could do Mind Pump wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this no. space. No, no, because now I have an yeah. hour and a half, two hours to yeah. explain this to this concept, to explain to like on the topic to women that you do want to build muscle in the context of modern life. You want more muscle. It makes your metabolism faster, makes you stronger, makes you more sculpted. Muscle takes up way less space per pound than body fat does. So if you lose five pounds of body fat, but you gain five pounds of muscle, you're still going to be a lot smaller as a result. Uh, lets you get away with eating more food. Um, you get the look and the shape that you want with way less effort um, versus you know going on a, a treadmill and having mm. to burn calories manually. And so I can I can really communicate and sell that message much more effectively because of the medium of podcast. That's what I loved about this medium was that it was probably the closest to us just meeting in person with one of our clients because there's just there is so much to cover. And it's like one of the biggest things we all kind of shared as far as like an epiphany was uh, less is more like really like reducing your message down to what applies to them currently at that particular moment was everything. And like being able to figure that out so you didn't overwhelm them was like a huge challenge in itself. So I think like through the evolution of this podcast, it's really helped us even grow uh, more as trainers, even though we're not physically training people anymore, we're realizing, uh, you know, just going through that process of years. I mean, I have a, over a decade uh, worth of experience, you know, these guys as well, uh, just of one-to-one interactions with people and like problem solving. Like we're, we're trying to get through, you know, movement problems. We're trying to get through nutrition problems, you know, stress, how to cope with stress, like uh, just being able to be more consistent, like, you know, what, what are those like real messages that resonate to somebody who's just an ever everyday average person. And, um, I think that this podcast has been amazing for that. And just our, our round Robin discussions of like, well, what did you experience? You know, when you had this type of client and then, you know, Sal has something that he just read and then we all talk about it. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating and, and really cool that, uh, this kind of, platform uh, existed at the time and we all kind of found it there was also a major division in in the space that we saw and i remember us clearly talking about this before even the podcast started where you you either were on the the wellness side or you were on the you know bodybuilder sports performance side and i think that was part of the magic of 
of Mind Pump, it was kind of perfect that I was in the middle of competing as a pro and we looked like a bunch of bros. But then we spoke kind of more like the wellness people. So it like threw a curveball for everybody. It was like, this doesn't fucking make sense. Like this dude's for sure jacked on steroids and he's fucking telling me about like hippie shit yeah. right now. And then you got You need to sleep. So you yeah. did. Yeah, you had you had <laughs> this and I think that that curveball is really what gave, got us the attention. And then when they actually if you actually took the time to sit and listen to an episode, uh, you know, something that I think to this day people say is like you you won't listen to a mind pump episode and not walk away. Uh, with filling your mind pump like you will have learned something you'll have learned whether it's a current event that we're covering and talking about and going deep into economics or even getting touching third rails and politics like we go everywhere all over the place and it's a very uh, open discussion we're not preaching a message and, and have one belief we disagree a lot and I think that that is what people that, that's what people really appreciate and what resonates with them is that and I think the space needed it because I think both sides are guilty. I think even people that are friends of ours in the wellness space, they 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 pigeonhole themselves into that community and it's like they scoff at anything that the bodybuilder and the the look community is all into. And it's like, hey, there's it's okay to want to look good and be fit, but still take some practices from over here and some practices from over here and that that message I think nobody was really doing. At least I didn't think anybody was doing it well. Yeah. And and when we got together, it was it was the the secret sauce to what what we've evolved to today. But man, I go back and I I listen to some of those old episodes, and we were, oh, it's cringeworthy. We were pretty. Yeah. <laughs> thank God, a little we, bit. Thank God, we had a lot of good information to give. Yeah, <laughs> but you guys are. I mean, that's why you are among my absolute favorites in the fitness world because you guys are like. I mean, you've got these like tough bodybuilder exteriors, right? But you've got like your sensitive like teddy bears on the inside. Like you've all got good relationships with your mothers. Is the vibe <laughs> that I that I that I get? It's like it's a great thing. And you're not zealots. You're not like condescending. You're always like your message is very balanced, which is something that I feel like is totally, you know, absent in most uh, fitness discussions, especially on social media. Yeah, that that message, the reason why that message is coming across that way, Max, is because it's a message that's been honed and shaped through, you know, one and a half or two decades of working with clients. So like all of us have a, a deep passion for helping people. Like if you're a personal trainer and you do it for a year, you know, part-time or whatever, that's one thing. But if you do it as a career and you do it for 10, 15, and I was doing it for over 20 years, you, you, at some point, you really learn how to connect and communicate effectively with people. Because about five years into being a personal trainer, and it's your career, you start to examine things. Am I being effective? Why are people losing weight with me, but then gaining it back? Why are some people stopping? How can I change this? I know what gets people to lose weight. I know what gets people to get fit, but why isn't this working? And so you start to hone your message. And one of the things that you learn is being vulnerable and being real is one of the best ways to get people to connect with you. And then yeah, they'll kind of, then they'll listen. They'll start to listen to you. The other thing is, you know, I have all this information, you know, I have like, I could sit down with a new client and I can think about 50 things that I could teach them right now that'll benefit them. But all I need to do is communicate one of them and do it in such an effective way that it gets them to change a fundamental behavior. However small, if I get them to change it in a permanent way, then I'm going to be very effective. And it's a slow process. And that's any major change happens in a slow way. And so it's all just, it's just been honed through, you know, God, I don't know, tens of thousands of conversations and of clients and successes and failures. We were all terrible trainers for probably the first 
few years we were personal trainers. All of it. We talked about this openly on the show. Um, It took us a long time. So what you hear now is just, you know, this is what we know that works for the thousands of people that we worked with. And there's been a lot of trial and error along the way. Yeah. What would you say have been some of the biggest like learning lessons of your guys' careers in terms of fitness and, you know, maybe uh, preconceived notions that that were dispelled once you really got your hands. We're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, exactly. That's what the show is all about is us sharing that. I think that because we come from that place, it's another thing that people appreciate. It's not us sitting on our high tower pointing the finger. It's like, I fucked up. You know, I was doing these, I was a trainer thinking I'm doing the right thing, saying the right things. Meanwhile, I wasn't because I didn't know better, you know? Uh, A simple one. I I never talked about walking and sleep. Hmm. I mean, that was just, I, if, if a client, if I can remember these conversations. I can remember a common conversation you would ask a client is, what do you do currently right now for exercise? And if someone said walk to me, I would scoff at them. I mean, that's not exercise. You know what I'm saying? Like that's you burn. And then I would compare like your sleep calorie burn to your walking calorie. I would do that. Like, yeah. you know, just to almost belittle their effort at walking. Right. And what I look back now at that, I'm like, what an asshole. Like, now that's the first place I go to help somebody. Mm-hmm. The very first thing that I do is I actually have them assess. Like I, I love I love tools like trackers and iPhones that do steps. It's become an incredibly useful tool for me as a coach. And the very first thing that I ask someone to do is, hey, I want you to track for a week. Don't try and impress me. Don't go extra exercise for me. Just be you because I need to see where you're at right now. And I have them track their food and I track their movement. And when they come back, I assess it and I look at it. And then I just try to create, like Sal said, small new behaviors. Like, okay, it looks like we're only getting, like the average American, a lot of people don't know this, is between three and 4,000 steps a day. You know how fucking little that is? That, that three to 4,000 steps, if you and I were to walk out this door right now and walk for one hour, we would surpass that. Hmm. That's how little the average American is actually walking throughout their day. Wow. So if I can take that person... And I can get them just up to 7,000 or 8,000 more steps. And by the way, I don't go from three to seven. That's more than double their effort of what they were. I slowly, incrementally move them up. And I do it by saying, hey, you know what? Lunchtime, I want you to go for a 20-minute walk. And hey, before you go to bed now, before you rest, go walk for 20 minutes or get up 15 minutes earlier. Shit like that, that I start to teach them to implement in their life. And man, when you get somebody, like Sal said earlier, to fundamentally change a behavior the, the ripple effect of that towards the, the, the overall health journey for them is so great, so much, so much greater than the client who I used to. They come in and they go, Adam, I want to get shredded for summer in six weeks. And 30 I, minutes of cardio twice right, a day. And, right. And, I prescribe a crazy routine that's hella volume. I prescribe mm-hmm. a ton of cardio exercise. Then I write the perfect diet that's going to restrict them calories and make sure that gives them protein for muscle. And I push them and I push them all the way to get to that goal and they achieve that goal. I did that person no good. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That was paradigm shattering for me. Like you talk about this moment. There was a moment in my career when we used to get these glass trophies if you were number one, you know, in the company for whatever. And it was the way we were considered number one is by sales. If I sold more personal training, yeah. I was the number one trainer. Yeah, our club got the most. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was great at this. And I remember looking back about five, six years in and looking at all these glass trophies. And then actually like really evaluating all of my clients and going, how many of them did I are like still are fit? Like who did I train 
taught them things, and then now they don't have me. I run into them later, and they look fitter than what they used to. No, none of them. Like mm-hmm. even the ones that got great results, they just went back. And it, in fact, it would feed my business. It was like, oh, if you weren't training with me, you couldn't mm-hmm. be in shape because you needed me to push you through your workouts. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really changing people, and so then I was like, fuck, I'm not really a good trainer. And that was the beginning of me starting to dive and read and learn. And, and I really got into, so I was, uh, you know, this is another nice blend of us is, you know, I think Sal has gone really heavy into, into studies and he's the guy who could sit there and read PubMeds. I love psychology. Like I went deep that direction wow. and recognized that all of our job is psychology. Like it's 99%. Like everyone's like, oh, diet 75% and this and then we try to break it. Fuck you. 90 something percent of this is psychological because if you can't make them make that connection there then none of this other bullshit matters and how smart i am and so that began my journey down that direction and everything that i've learned now and that i apply comes from that place it comes Mm. from how can i make a fundamental change in this person's psychology to change their behaviors that then in turn long term will overall benefit them and it's not short it's not a quick 30 60 day thing it's a Years, maybe. Well, you have to consider what you're trying to get them to do. Like, how we eat and how we move is literally huge chunks of our life. And food alone, food alone, gosh, cultures are, are, are created around food. Events are created around food. There's birthday foods and there's foods you have at the movies and there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner <laughs> foods. We eat because of emotion. We eat because of context. Very rarely do we eat because we're hungry. And so what you here we here I am, a new trainer, and I think I'm going to change that right away by giving them a meal plan. Oh, you just need to eat 1,500 calories. Just eat this. Here's your answer. Just follow that. Now my job is just to motivate you to stick to this, and it's all about discipline. No, it's not. It's about behavior changes. Adam brought up walking. Do you know why walking is so much more effective than getting on cardio? Because walking, if you if you track your steps, you can actually implement it into your life. Then you get to see, if I park at the end of the parking lot, I get more steps. If I go to the bathroom on the other side of the building, I get more steps. If I mm. stand instead of sit, I might get more steps. It's all about getting those big changes, those small changes that equal that that big change. I One of the biggest uh, moments for me, I remember this like it was, yeah, I brought this up several times on the show. I still feel bad about it. I used to have these like what I used to call come to Jesus talks with clients where if they weren't progressing, I'd sit them down and tell them, you're not progressing. You need to do this, that, and the other. Well, I had this young lady that hired me and she trained. She told me she wanted to lose 30 pounds. I also trained her husband and I trained her three days a week. Well, uh, she wasn't progressing. We would test her body fat. Nothing was happening there. And so her husband would kind of tell me what was happening on the side and he'd tell me, oh, she's eating these foods she's not supposed to. And so I kind of had this 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 information that I wasn't supposed to have. So I thought I decided I'm going to have this come to Jesus talk with her. So I sat her down one day and I basically, I mean, I basically hammered her and told her, you're lying to me. You don't really want to accomplish this goal. If you want to do this, you got to do what I tell you. And if you follow what I, what I say, you're going to get to your goal. But if you don't, you won't and whatever. She left upset. I felt so happy uh, and, and my ego felt great. And she never came back. And I realized I had not only did it, done her no good, but now she's not even working out anymore. Wow. And I felt terrible. I still feel terrible about it. And I did that to so many people. And I see trainers do this all the time. And I realized like, okay, this is a slow process. We're making small changes. It's going to take time. Let's focus on all these small changes. You come to me and you say you want to lose 30 pounds. That's fine. I'm going to tell you that we're going to do it the right way. I'm going to explain what that looks like. And then I'm going to focus on the small changes. You haven't lost 10 pounds yet, but that's okay because it's a long process. But how's your sleep? How do you feel? Look, you're stronger. You've got more energy. I'm going to make the workouts enjoyable. I'm going to give you a good association with exercise. I'm going to change your perception or your motivation behind exercise from self-hate. 
I hate my ugly body to self-love. I want to take care of myself. Once I started to do that with my training, and of course I have the right techniques, I know what works, I know what exercises work, I know all that stuff. Once I started to do that, my success was incredible. Then I had clients who would stay with me for five, 10, 15 years. I would train them once a month, once every other month, just to kind of come in and assess the workouts and they're off on their own. We have, we've been on Mind Pump now for four years. I haven't trained any of these clients for over four years. Every single one of them, I keep in contact with them. Every single one of them still working out, mm-hmm. wow. still doing well, still on their own. And now I can finally say that I, I succeeded uh, at, you know, at what my ultimate goal was. But it took me a long time to learn how to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think there's this misconception that, um, well, my, my own personal experience working with personal trainers, which is very uh, you know, sparse, but I've always um, worked with trainers that, are, that kind of apply the equivalent of like giving me a fish, whereas it sounds like you guys are more like teaching the person to yes. fish. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. That's the only way for long-term success. And in order to do that, uh, unfortunately, the fitness industry at large has now been around now for at least a few decades. Uh, we've all seen the before and after pictures. We've all seen the, the take this pill or do this thing to lose 30 pounds. We've all seen the crazy diet books. So unfortunately, a large part of our job now is first dispelling all that, you know, getting through and cutting through that crap. Like, yeah. okay, let's talk about the realities and the truth of things. And yes, this specific diet may work better for you on paper, but you hate it. Therefore, it's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And yes, this one workout burns more calories. However, we're also looking to burn more calories uh, automatically, not just manually. We want to speed up your metabolism. Um, you know, dispelling all those myths. How do we get your body to change through exercise? What does exercise do to you that gets your body to become more fit? You know, that's a big one. We talk all the time about how exercise really just serves as a stimulus for your body to adapt. That's all it is. Yeah. When you go to the gym, you're sending a signal to your body to adapt. That signal must be appropriate to your level of fitness and to your current lifestyle. What, now, what does that mean? Well, if you're a very high-stress individual, if you're not getting good sleep, you're working like crazy, maybe you just got divorced, maybe you're a single parent, whatever, you're go- you going to the gym and beating the crap out of yourself – is not going to work. That feeds right into what my most paradigm shifting sort of moment uh, in terms of like me, like finding myself into fitness and making it a career. I come from an athletic type of a background. So uh, I went all the way up until uh, college football was like basically where I ended up and I played. And uh, throughout my entire process of fitness, I always associated fitness with being performance driven. And, you know, this is something I felt that most people shared and that most people were pretty conscious of how they move and and their abilities. And if I kind of showed them something, they could pretty much figure it out. And that was something that was like uh, completely not the case when 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 I started training and dealing with like your everyday average person. I'm like showing them the move. I'm going through this process that like I would just respond and I would get it just just by watching and that wasn't happening. And so yeah. I had to, <laughs> I had to really reassess and figure it out. I'm like, well, why isn't this working for them? And like, it was a very frustrating, long process for me to start then sort of uh, reverse engineering the process of how I got there. And, and even then now still, I'm just figuring out, you know, like what that took and, and all those practices that I, I put in place 
along my journey of trying out all these different sports and the training that was involved going into those sports, it was the practice. It was the practice of these movements. It was, you know, the rituals I had established. It was all these little nuances that I was expressing, uh, you know, movements in the joint uh, to where, to me, it was intuitive, but it's not intuitive to, to your everyday average person who just isn't they're not doing these movements. They're yeah. just, they're fixed. They're going to work. They're sitting in a chair, you know, they're getting up. They might be moving to, you know, like play with their kids or do something, but they're really not expressing, you know, their body on, on, you know, a high level. And so for me to then teach the process, it takes a lot of time. And there's, there's an order of operations there that, uh, you know, I, I feel like is, is very undervalued and there's prerequisites to, being able to get into these uh, fish type workouts. Like, so, right. So you get these trainers that they want to wow you. They want to show you like, Oh, this is the most hard fucking exercise workout routine you're ever going to do. And right. I'm going to buy your business by kicking your ass, <laughs> you know? And, and that was me initially. Like I was like, I loved it. You know, I'm like, you know, yeah, kick my ass. Like I'll, you know, make me puke, whatever. Uh, I was into that and I was into the intensity of it. And it's, it's one of those things that I had to, I had to understand, like there was a whole process years in the making where it brought me to that level where I could, I could handle that type of stress and, 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 and go for those types of pursuits. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably a, a really quick road to getting injured too, like injuring yourself oh. by, by diving headfirst into those 100%. kinds of brutal Well, that workouts. was one of our biggest uh, qualms that we had with CrossFit. I mean, you talk about other episodes that went viral for Mind Pump. Uh, very, very early on. This is also when CrossFit was still on on the rise. Uh, we came out and said, why Mind Pump doesn't CrossFit? And that whole episode was geared around what Justin's talking about right now is, you know, I for most of my career, I trained trainers. So most, most every year I had anywhere between 15 to 30 trainers working underneath me. And that was the entire culture. That was, it was literally that, literally all about who could come up with the craziest workout for their clients. And it was all about the wow factor. And it wasn't really about getting these people long-term results. And when we looked at programming like CrossFit, that was heavily intensive based type of programming. And you look at the majority of people that are coming to gyms that are looking out. It's not, not only is it not ideal, it's one of the worst ideas that you can do for those people. Mm -hmm. So I think that was uh, something that definitely gave us traction, but also ruffled a lot of feathers when we first started because this thing was becoming so popular yeah. and everybody's raving about how amazing CrossFit is. And we're coming out there going like, well, yeah. probably not that great for a lot of people. I'm challenge that idea. Oh, dude, uh, exercise is a skill like anything else. Mm. If you went to go learn – so here's a, here's an interesting uh, – I'll, I'll take you down this thought process. This is something that I think we all realize about halfway through our careers as personal trainers. When you go to, let's say you want to learn how to play basketball, you go and you learn the fundamentals. You learn yeah. how to dribble, you learn how to do a layup, you learn how to shoot, you learn how to hold the ball, how to move properly. You don't just go and play as hard as you freaking can. Right. Okay. When people go to the gym and squat and deadlift and press and row, what they're thinking in their mind is, I'm going to hammer my legs, I'm going to hammer my back, I'm going to hammer my shoulders, so I'm going to go until those muscles hurt. Right. That's the wrong approach. Treat exercise like a skill. Go to the gym and practice. Practice squatting. So what does it look like when you practice squatting versus when you're squatting to hammer your legs? You're probably going lighter, much more better, uh, much more of an emphasis on your form and technique and control. And you're practicing the movement over and over again. Am I getting better? Am I getting better at squatting? Not am I getting better at hammering myself, but am I getting better at the skill? 
when you start to treat exercise like a skill and you go to the gym to practice rather than to go beat yourself up, you'll see better success in the short term and especially in the long term because you'll treat the exercises in the most effective ways possible. Hmm. And that is a complete, and I had that, that, uh, that understanding watching people run outside. You know, I, I'd see people go for runs outside and be like, Oh my gosh, their, their, their mechanics are all off. And like, Oh, it's like, Oh, I know why nobody's treating running like a skill. Everybody's just running. So they get tired. In which case you don't need to run to do that. You could just, you know, jump, jump in place or whatever. Yeah. But if they treated running like a skill, then instead of seeing all these people run with terrible mechanics, you'd see people running with really good mechanics, and then the running would be really good for them. No different with with lifting weights or exercise. Treat it like a skill. Go to the gym and practice. You'll get way better results. Brilliant advice. So important. What what have you guys found to be? We won't get into like what the question of what causes obesity because that's like a you know can of worms right there. But what have you guys found to be the most effective advice? to get your clients to lose weight. You oh. you said something uh, when we interviewed you that I really liked and we should have circled back and, and brought it up again, but we'll do it right now on your show was, um, and this was paradigm shattering also for me, um, when I assess a diet, so just like I do the steps for the first week, um, I actually try to add to the diet. Even if you come to me, you're 100 pounds overweight and you need to lose weight, and when you come to me, and it always is like a mind blowing thing to try and tell somebody who's sitting in front of you and says, I need to lose 100 pounds. And you say, okay, great, I'm going to add these foods to your, hmm. your diet. But what I have found is a lot of people that have gotten to this place have, uh, had, have done it, like, dieted chronically for so long that their metabolisms are just beat to shit. I got a 300 pound guy stand, sitting in front of me, and he's only eating. 2500 calories or so and he's and he's holding on to his mass i'm like oh my god your metabolism is just shot like that person the one of the worst things i could do to them and what i did as an early on trainer is okay if his metabolism he's not losing weight at 2500 i guess we're going down to 2000 or going down to 1500 and you just keep doing that it's like at what point though is that unsustainable for them long term and so then really what i should do is probably try and build this person's metabolism and that should be the focus. And if that's the focus, then adding good nutrients and a good balanced diet is more important than me restricting calories at this time. And let's go ahead and add some muscle. And that's always a challenge to help somebody at the beginning and to convince them that I know you're here to lose fat and lose lose weight with me, but really what I want to do with you is this first and this is why. Um, I think that's part of why we're losing this obesity battle is because of the information that's perpetuated in our space that it's just eat less, exercise more. Yeah. And it's getting us in this this really we're you know we're up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah. We are in a situation where what do you tell a 300 pounds man to do when he's only eating 2500 calories? You know what that's like? That's crazy. Yeah, well, there was a study that I can't remember what um, it was a modern hunter gatherer tribe that they studied. And it actually was a quite sophisticated study and they tested their metabolic rates and what they thought they would find would be that these that their metabolisms would be or that they'd be burning tons and tons more calories than the average person because obviously they move a lot there what they found was it wasn't that big of a difference now it makes sense if you really think about it from an evolutionary standpoint the metabolism in the body adapts um, in a way to become efficient especially if you're moving a lot and so when you get a new client the goal isn't uh, you know, part of the goal is to have more activity because it's good for you but that's not the, the reason why we're doing it. It's not to get you to lose weight. It's to make you more healthy. But to lose weight, what we want to do is we want to train you in a way to get your metabolism to speed up. Yeah. Weight training. Nothing speeds up the metabolism or gets your body to burn more calories naturally like 
resistance training because the priority signal that's getting sent through resistance training is strength. Strength requires muscle. The side effect of that is more is more of a calorie burn. Yeah. Then when it comes to food, you know, I we I like to do one thing at a time. And one of the first things that I do, just like Adam, is I'll add something. So it's okay. You're not eating any vegetables. All right, we're not going to cut anything so far. But what I want you to do is I want you to eat one serving of vegetables a day. Can you do that? Hmm. Is this something that uh, is you think you could do on a realistic level? It's always got to be realistic, by the way. If you if you tell a client to do something that they can't foresee themselves doing long-term realistically, then take a step back until you get to that realistic point. So if, if one serving a day is like, no, I can't do that, then okay, can you do it two days a week? Yes, perfect, let's start there. And little by little, we start adding these foods and what you end up finding naturally is they start to reduce other foods out of their diet and they start to feel better. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just that slow of a process, but it's about speeding up someone's metabolism because modern life <clears throat> is sedentary. Even if you try to be active, it's not that active. And we're surrounded by hyper palatable foods yeah. all over the place. And so it probably makes sense to get someone who's 300 pounds to be able to lose the weight but still eat 2,500 calories or 3,000 calories versus cutting them down to 1,200 calories. Good luck trying to maintain that for the rest of your life. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not even a if or maybe. It's 100% for sure. I mean, you'll, you'll never meet somebody... Uh, and even if they stick it out for a year, and I've seen people get crazy enough to eat these low calorie diets for a year or two, but eventually you break. Yeah. So, so then what's your guys, like what's going through your head when, cause I have my own perspective on this, but I'm not like a fitness. I mean, I know about fitness, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm like as expert, you know, level as you guys when it comes to body composition, strength, mass building, weight loss, all that stuff when you read the advice that to lose weight, all you got to do is eat fewer calories. Mm -hmm. It's right. as simple as that. It like, infuriates mm -hmm. us. It yeah. infuri I think that's, we came out with a vengeance on that, on that shit, almost to probably to our detriment. I think, yes, it resonated. Some people like that, but we've had to like cool our jets a little bit because now we got to a point where we're so big that we look like we're bullying people. But I think it infuriates all of us when we see posts like that, mm -hmm. especially when it's from peers and people that we know that are have doctor type positions that are putting out information like that. It's like, man, that you know what? That's an ex that's because you fucking haven't sat in front of had thousands of overweight people that you've had to deal with, yeah. or else you wouldn't say these things. You've been, you know what's great? This is and here's the thing, and this is I'm put a notice out on all the doctors that live in their their labs. This is, this is what happens. You become so, they're brilliant, 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 brilliant in that lab setting. The reality of it, and this goes back to what I said to you earlier, is that 90% of this game is psychology. It really is. Well, they lack wisdom. You know, Wisdom is knowledge combined with experience. Yeah. So as an early trainer, I had that knowledge as well. I knew that if we got the energy balance right, you would lose weight. It sounds simple, but it's not that simple. And you don't learn that until you work with people over and over again. So you, you failed hundreds of yeah, times. Yeah. And you so see you failed is, using that formula. Right. So play out. And you realize that these hyper it's the foods that drive behavior. Uh, it's part of it. Absolutely. Part of it's emotion, part of it's context. Yeah. Like, you know, and this isn't right for everybody, but there are certain individuals, and this is just one tool, by the way, and I never recommend this for weight loss, but there are some individuals when I'm working with them and I'm trying to get them to connect to the natural signals of hunger, I'll have them practice fasting. Now, why will I have them practice fasting? Well, most of us uh, who've been you know, born and raised in modern Western societies have never felt true hunger. We just haven't. Yeah. We've had food. <laughs> that in itself is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It's yeah. crazy. We've had food several times a day 
since we were born. Yeah. And so what we've associated with hunger is actually more like emotion, cravings, boredom, context. Like I go to the movies, I crave popcorn. I'm bored. I'll eat some food. I'm stressed. I'll eat some food. I'm sad. I'll eat some food. It's a wedding. I'm supposed to eat this type of food. And so for some people, I have them fast for 24, 48, 72 hours. And again, it depends. It has to be the right person. And then they'll come back to me and be like, whoa, like I know, I know now when I'm hungry and I know what that feels like. And I know that during that fasting mm. period, I was bored and I wanted food all these different times, but I knew I couldn't eat. So I had to deal with my boredom in a completely different way. And so that's what you're really dealing with when it comes to, when it comes to nutrition. It's not, yes, it's simple in the sense that energy balance ultimately is what helps determine weight, you know, gain or weight loss, but it's definitely not, not easy. And when I have people tell me that like, oh, it's simple. I tell them, yeah, climbing Mount Everest is simple too. You just take one step after another, right. but it's yeah. way, way, way not that easy. Yeah, or it's another another analogy that I like is, um, you know, it's telling somebody who's stuck in the in the sand pit that is, you know, extreme poverty that the way to get out of poverty is to make more than you earn. Well, it's like, <laughs> wow, it's like, uh, okay, what? So where do I go next? It's all skills. It's all skill. Along those lines, they've done these studies where people will win the lottery um, and they'll be bankrupt within a few years. And people are like, oh, how could that happen? They won $10 million. And this is by, you can look these up on Google. It's, they're, they're famous studies. It's just like the biggest loser stats. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why this happens is because they didn't develop the skills that it takes to dip, to build that wealth. So when they got that wealth, all of a sudden, it was difficult for them to keep it. So the key to real permanent weight loss, real permanent health is to develop the process and the skills along the way, the practices, the behaviors along the way to where when I'm bored, I don't reach for these foods. Um, When I'm hungry and I do want something to eat, I crave foods that are healthy. Here's a good one for you. Here's a good one for you, Max. Um, We attribute pretty much one trait to food only, most people, taste, palatability. Like we know about food by either how it tastes and how much we like it or we don't. But food brings a lot more to us than just that. Like I had a client years ago, probably the unhealthiest person I'd ever worked with, love her to death. So she's listening right now. She won't mind. She didn't drink water. Literally. She had Coke. That's that was what she dressed, how she got her fluids. Wow. Didn't have a vegetable till since she was like six years old, like never had vegetables, nothing. And so my goal with her was, okay, how do we change some of these behaviors? So one of the things I did with her is I said, okay, I want you to eat one piece of vegetable every day Pick the one that you hate the least. And what I want you to do is I want you to to take notes about how you feel before, during, and after. And let's take notes and be aware of our health. Now, through the slow process, I got her to eat little by little. She would eat more and more. And here's what she started to to, to tell me. God, when I eat vegetables, I notice uh, I go to the bathroom much easier. Like, okay, that was the first thing. Okay. (laughs) So now you have a better bowel movement. That's cool. And then she started to notice my moods are a little bit better. Like I notice if I eat the vegetables, I, I just feel less irritable. I get better sleep. My skin is improving. So what's happening now is she's starting to associate these other positive traits to a food. Now, it still tastes the same. We didn't sprinkle sugar on it. We didn't throw flavoring on it. It's the same food. But now she's associating that food with all these other positive traits. So what do you think started to happen? She started to crave the vegetables. She started to, because of these positive associations, she started to want to eat these foods, even though the, the taste hadn't changed. Now, this is not, uh, I'm not inventing this, okay? This isn't something I'm creating right now. This isn't my breakthrough thing. Food manufacturers have known this for decades. They have known for a long time that if they associate foods with certain feelings, you're going to eat more of them. There's famous studies where 
they'll 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 serve people foods and they'll serve them uh, like something that's hyper palatable like ice cream, but they'll serve it to them in a toilet, for example, and people will eat less ice cream. Why? Yeah. Because of the negative association. Uh, you go to the grocery store, foods are you know, packages are a certain color. They're placed in a particular way. There's a certain type of music that's playing. Restaurants have a certain ambience. All of these things that you associate with food help you want to or not eat these types of foods. And so you can do that with yourself. And one of the first things you can do is start to become more aware of all of the things that food provides for you aside from just the taste of it. So, and this happens in the negative too. I love pizza. It's so great. We'll start identifying the other things that it may have, may do to you, like it uh, gives me poor digestion, I get heartburn, I feel terrible afterwards. Think about that, write it down, and naturally what will start to happen is you may start to crave the pizza less than you had before. And so it's behavior modification, it's a slow process, but it's the only way that I've found to make those permanent changes. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what I want to, before we, you know, wrap up, we still have some time, but I want to get into sort of like a rapid fire, like round table uh, you know, Q and A with you guys. Sure. I pulled some of my followers. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that I get uh, very frequently, because you know, a lot of the conversation in the fitness community online centers around weight loss. What about for people that are trying to gain weight? Like, what's the what's the what's your guys' prescription for that? Okay, so you want these quick, right? I mean, relatively you know, quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that, is that possible fire. for you over there, buddy? Because I, yeah. I want to try to get to like a bunch of these questions. There's, I got some really good questions. For sure. For, okay. And you so, guys are such a wealth of information. So. All right. So uh, lift weights, full body, two to three days a week. Uh, focus on getting stronger on the core lifts, bench press, squat, deadlifts, overhead presses, uh, rows, like the, the good old fashioned lifts. Focus the on your strength. Foundational ones. Um, increase your caloric intake. Um, one of the things you can do to increase your caloric intake is try drinking some of your calories. So for people who have trouble gaining weight, hmm. typically it's 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 hard for them to get you. Like I'll tell them, eat more. Like, I can't eat more. So I'll tell them, okay, um, can you have a smoothie in between meals that will add high quality calories, maybe made with some fruit. If you can have dairy, some quality, uh, you know, dairy in there, some protein powder, that may be one of the things. But usually when you send the right signal with resistance training, um, you'll notice an uptick in, uh, in appetite. Um, and muscle gain does take, uh, even with fast gainers, it is a relatively slow process, so just be patient. Are there any ways you guys recommend, like you know, maybe macronutrient compositions yes, to make I, sure, like a, yes, I have a different. Well, first tip. of all, yeah, is there a such thing as a clean bulk or whatever? You mm. know, well, here's uh, the tip I'm gonna give is this: this is not necessarily the best way to do anything. It's just a strategy that I have found because this question totally connects to me. My whole life, I struggled with being the bigger guy. In fact, I never leaned out until I turned 30. My mm -hmm. whole entire life was trying to be the bigger guy, always skinny, always struggling to get enough calories and food in. Uh, obviously, when I got into the you know professional bodybuilding world, I had to get very good at manipulating my weight, putting size on, taking size off. I had to be able to do this. And one of the best and most successful strategies that I had was I, I learned really early on that I needed to stay ahead of my macros early. So early on in the day, one of the hardest ones to get is, is my proteins for me, to get enough protein for, for my body. At that time, I was about 200, 230 pounds or so. So I'm intaking about 200 grams of protein between wow. 200 and 230. And so for me to get that much, I have to get ahead of it early on. And then I also found eating leaner protein and, and fast-acting carbs helped me keep my appetite up all day long. And I piled the the higher fat type of foods later on in the evening. So I would be hungry enough to want to eat. So at one point, 
I had got my metabolism up to where I needed about 4,500 calories to sustain my size at the professional level. And that was fucking incredibly hard for me hmm. and required a lot of prepping and getting having my meals ready. And I'd have to eat and I have to eat six, not because of the, the bullshit science that people think that it speeds my metabolism up or I'm trying to time my windows because for me to eat 5000 calories required me breaking it up in multiple meals. So somebody that is having a hard time eating, these are some strategies that help is breaking it up in smaller portions that your body digests, breaks down really fast and easy and utilizes, keeping the higher fat type of foods till later in the evening after you've actually got enough of your macros in. And so I got to a point where I knew by noon, if I had X amount of carbs, calories, and protein in, I would be fine. I could cruise the rest of the night. And I knew that by noontime, if I didn't get X amount, that I was going to be struggling to get that in. And I might have to use strategies like Sal saying, like pounding a shake or something with my meal. Yeah. There's still, I mean, uh, you can still eat healthily while trying to gain. Oh, yeah. Weight, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that's, and I think that what I tried to do when I was competing was I tried to show people that. I, I came out and said, listen, competing is not healthy for the body. Okay. Doing anything that extreme is not healthy, but I'm going to try and show you guys how to have the healthiest approach with it. Yeah. And so that was, and I, and I remember all, I, I had a very, very uh, healthy, good relationship with food, everything that I think is, is good till about two weeks before. And, mm. and I would tell people, I said, this is, I'm going into the dark place. I'm going into the <laughs> place. I'm now doing things to my body. I'm fully aware are not healthy for it to achieve a look on a stage to win a trophy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but up into that point though, uh, I, I definitely, Tried to be as balanced. I all whole foods, all real foods. I didn't use. I didn't need supplements. I wasn't running a bunch of stuff like that. But I did find the strategy of eating leaner and faster digesting foods early on in my day that would promote more hunger, more food, help me hit the targets that I need to for somebody who's struggling. So if you're somebody who's struggling to put weight on, that was a, a major strategy. Yeah, love that. Next question: Fasting or working out while fasted. Mm. Oh, totally take? up to personal preference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you're going to do a really long, grueling, uh, intense workout, uh, you're probably going to want to have a meal a couple hours before. But most people's workouts, which last anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half, um, fasted or not, totally up to personal preference. I uh, there's uh, For me personally, I don't mind working out fasted. I get a lot of great energy when I do it. I know Same. Adam hates it. Mm -hmm. um, so there really isn't a huge... I mean, we're splitting hairs if we talk about, oh, you know, cortisol and insulin and, and testosterone growth and, you know, rising, all that stuff. We're really splitting hairs at the end of the day, whichever one you prefer, that's probably the one that you should do because you're going to be more consistent doing it. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think people need to, uh, you know, approach if they've never done it before, you know, this is something they need to get adapted towards this whole, you know, being fasted and then doing rigorous movement. Uh, I know some people can get lightheaded. Like I know for me, like I, the first couple times that I tried to like lift heavy and I had done it where I was not like filled up with any kind of like carbohydrates or any kind of food ahead of time was, was a bit challenging at first, but um, you know, the, the more consistently I kind of got used to it, I, I, I was able to navigate a lot easier through that. But yeah, that's fasting is one of those things. It's like, we know the health benefits to it, but uh, a lot of times, like when we kind of stay in our bubble, we forget that it's, it's 
pretty challenging for your average person to abstain from food for amount of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's this whole hanger thing. Like if people, uh, don't really like experience that very often, this is a new thing. So I'm trying to always kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. If you are working out while fasted, what kind of attention should you pay to your post-workout meal? Is there a quote-unquote post-workout anabolic window of opportunity? No. St- studies sh- Again, we're splitting hairs, but uh, studies show that um, it, it, regardless of when you eat, you're going to replenish glycogen just fine okay. and repair just fine. If you plan on working out again later in the day, then you do want to have a meal in between because studies show that that improves performance. So like let's say you work out twice a day, I work out in the AM and I'm fasted. You probably want to eat after that workout so you have some fuel for the next workout that you do later on in the day. But otherwise, it doesn't make that. And, and by the way, you know why the supplement industry pushed that anabolic muscle building window so hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, right after your workout, what they'll push is you need to have fast digesting, digesting carbohydrates and it has to happen 30 minutes after your workout. Well, the only thing that's convenient 30 minutes after mm, your workout whey protein shakes. is a shake. <laughs> and so they're going to sell more shakes. That's really all it is. There's, right. there's, we're really splitting hairs here. And in, in, in the in the scheme of things, if I were to list the, uh, you know, the top 15 priorities of building muscle and burning body fat, uh, eating right after your workout wouldn't even make the list. Yeah. I, this is a question that wasn't asked through my Instagram, but I'm just curious to know where you, because you guys are so aligned and that's what makes you guys such good, uh, you know, business partners. But where do you guys disagree? <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there's probably uh, in the fitness stuff, not as much because I think, you know, Sal said this before too. Once you've been doing it so long, we all kind of come to the same truths. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's inevitable at yeah. one point. I think we have different strategies and philosophies, even how I was just sharing. Like I'm the only one that would carry six meals around, mm. you know, but I also am the only one too. I'm that, the only one that does cardio. Yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 why don't you guys do cardio? No, I'm I'm swimming right now, so that's yeah. not true. Okay, yeah. but uh, no, that's a joke. It was a joke. We've been coined Team No Sweat forever, just because <laughs> we're like, well, we're just trying to highlight the importance of resistance training. I think overall, yeah. and so we're. No. I think I think the the common thought process of losing weight is to jump on the treadmill and starve yourself. No, that's a that's a that's a great point. Another great topic is, and it goes back into this whole theme of this episode of pa- paradigm shattering moments. And one of those for me was. Uh, I never prescribe. If a, someone would go back to that client who's 300 pounds sitting in front of me eating 2,500 calories, I am absolutely not prescribing cardio. For sure not. Because that is not going to help. That's not going to assist us in speeding the metabolism up. That's just making the uh, metabolism more efficient. So if I add more intensity, more work like cardio to this person who's only got 2,500 uh, meta- uh, calorie maintenance of 2,500, I'm going to just drive it down even more. So walking. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell somebody to walk. And I think because we promoted that message so much, people think that we're allergic to cardio. (laughs) No, no, no. There's definite Uh, health benefits to cardio. We're against people. We're against the message that um, you should just do lots of cardio all the time to lose weight. Right. It's not a good long-term strategy. Um, Yeah. I think you called it, um, what do we, it's the calorie, oh, uh, manual calorie burning versus like automatic. automatic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It it just, look, it, your body tries to become better at whatever you ask it to do. And cardiovascular activity, if you do lots of it, it's telling your body, okay, let's get good at cardio. We don't need a lot of strength, but we need to be very efficient. And so that results in a slower metabolic rate. That's all. And so we see, look, if, you man, if you've if you worked in gyms for a long time, 
You know exactly what I'm talking about. They call these people cardio bunnies. These are men and women who are on cardio. They come in every day. They do their 40 minutes of cardio or an hour of cardio, and they're all still overweight, and they can't seem to, to lose the weight. Um, those people would, would be served very well by starting to reduce the cardio and lift some weights and change the signal, change it so that their metabolism speeds up. But yeah, when it comes to fitness, I mean, you know, like Adam said, if you get enough people searching for the answer to, to what, what is two plus two, you have a bunch of different paths. At the end of it, everybody's going to come up with the answer of four. Mm. Um, we disagree on business all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. we get in arguments uh, almost on the regular um, over how what we should you know promote and how we should do a particular thing. Well, because we get pulled in so many directions. You know, yeah. when you when you create something like this, it, it's interesting what opportunities present themselves. And it's like, do we put most of our eggs over here? Do we put them in this direction? And I I, I think that we all kind of have. Um, you know, sometimes we have different ideas, but we respect each other enough to hear like everybody's opinions and then really assess which one is probably best for everybody. And then we arm wrestle. And then, and then yeah, you arm wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Punch mean, each other. On the show, we've definitely had like debates over stuff, but it's always over like philosophical stuff. It's not over like science. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't refute each other's science at all. It's not like that. It's like approaches like, oh, we both have had these types of clients. And I said, well, no, I think this has been a little bit better approach. And they're like, ah, I was going, oh, I think I've had more. So it's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what I think I think people appreciate about the show is that dynamic because every time that happens, I know he gets a, a plethora of DMs of people saying like, I totally agree with you, yeah. Sal. That's how I do Adam's things. Adam's always wrong. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and then I get the same amount of people that do the same thing. Like, oh, Sal's crazy. I would never do that. What you were saying is right on. You know, yeah. so yeah. I think that we, we disagree on maybe things like that or approaches, but I think we, we all have the the end goal in mind we all get the same truths there's not a lot of things that we get into like heavy debates yeah. uh, unless we're speculating on future trends or what might happen <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, again it's what you once you've done been doing this long enough uh we all end up at the, kind of the same place i think i love it you guys are awesome okay last audience question what are your guys thoughts on protein shakes who who needs to take protein shakes? Who should avoid them? Mm. Do you guys take them? Nobody needs to take a protein shake. Uh, real food. Okay, so we talk about processed foods, right? Yeah. Okay, so and, and, and you know we're sponsored by a supplement company that sells protein, um, but still, at the end of the day, it doesn't get more processed than a powder that has a life <laughs> shelf life. <laughs> Five years and tastes like strawberry shortcake or whatever. <laughs> it's about the most pro- – somewhere down the line, protein shakes became a health food, but they're not. It's a, it's a processed food. Now, it's if you have – lesser evil. That's if you have it. trouble getting enough protein in your diet because having a diet that's relatively high in protein – and I say relatively because in our space, high protein means eating ridiculous you know, fart-producing amounts of protein. The, no, high amounts of protein – for, for athletic performance is about 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight for a lean individual. So right around there, if you want to maximize muscle building, if you want to increase the satiety of your diet so you don't eat as much, right around there. And if you have trouble eating that much, a protein shake uh, can help you do that. But is it, uh, is it, do you do protein shakes instead of food? No, food, number one, whole right. natural foods, number one. Yeah, sometimes I, I find it can hard. It can be hard to hit my protein goal for the day, um, and you know, protein. It's very economical. I mean, like high protein density foods can be very expensive, and they're satiating. And um, 
you know, not that I'm like a, a shill for big protein, but like I do think that they can be useful. No, yeah, I, I, oh I, no, it's a useful tool. I, I I use them. I use them on. Pro- I probably use them the most because, and this was something. I, I guess this was something. I wouldn't say we disagreed about it. This was something that different. Yeah, we were different about our opinions early on in the podcast. Was you know, Sal was coming from the place of, and I agree with him in this that. You know, our space, the bodybuilding world, yeah. has been preaching the 3X, and these guys are just overdoing it. He was overdoing it like crazy for many years. Uh, I, I come from the space of I've trained a lot of women that struggled with getting their protein intake, mm. and I struggled most of my, to this day, yeah. uh, if I were to just not really pay attention and eat. Yeah, I mean, we could go through my yesterday, and I had, I probably had about 60 grams. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of protein and, the, and that's three meals and that's three meals with a, a meat in there. But sometimes, you know, six ounces of meat or eight ounces of meat is only like 25 to 40 grams worth of protein. Yeah. And if you have three balanced meals, that is not enough for a guy who's 220 pounds and lifting weights three to five times a week trying to build muscle. At least it's not enough if I'm doing that every, if I'm that low every single day, I'm definitely missing my targets. So I think one day like that, not a big deal, but I keep it on hand for that exact reason. So I, the way I use my protein is because I was aware that happened yesterday. And if I am going to run, if I notice that today it's going to happen again, I'll probably add a protein shake into my day because I know that's two back-to-back days. Mm-hmm. One low-protein day I know is not a big deal. In fact, it's probably healthy for me to have a really low-protein day occasionally. But when I see that I'm 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 grossly under-eating my protein, I absolutely introduce and use the shake in a, into my diet because I do think it's useful in that point. But again... It's a it's a lesser evil, or it's I'm not looking at it like the way the industry has promoted it for so long, which is it's a health food. Yeah, I don't think of it as a health food. I think is hey, I'm I'm missing some macro targets here. Yeah. I should get more protein in my diet, so I'm not doing it like I should be through whole food. This is better than not doing it at all. Yeah, and when you do have a protein shake, is it is it whey? Uh, so I go back and forth. Um, and <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I have whey at my house, and then I have our Organifi vegan. Nice. And uh, whey just tastes so much better, it really does. And whey always is just is so such a palatable protein. Yeah. It's easy to mix. Yeah, and I make we make protein pancakes and waffles, and we and make our own homemade smoothies. And I like the whey flavor adding to whatever I do. Yeah. So I'm drawn to that, but I'm also I I also am curious to if it is affecting my gut at all because I do seem to notice if I'm having uh, that on a regular basis, uh, I do notice that I start to kind of bloat, hold a bit of water. Mm. I might be gassy. These things, I start to notice those things. And so I may have some sort of issue that's related to whey. So I try and minimize that and I try and go towards the vegan way as much as I possibly can. But there occasionally there's certain things like, like I brought up the pancakes for that exact reason is uh, I don't like the way the vegan protein tastes in my, my pancake mix. It ruins the experience for me for eating them. And so I, I lean on the way on those cases. Yeah. I've definitely stopped eating protein bars because I feel like there's so many additional non-protein calories in those things just to make them palatable way. Uh, protein powder is just, you know, it's like pure, yeah, it is. I, I do the I do vegan, uh, the Organifi vegan, but I can't have uh, any dairy, any all dairy oh, proteins. I have an intolerance to, so I've been doing vegan protein for a long time. But I do like Adam. I use it when I when I think I need it. My proteins real low. Okay, I'll I'll throw some protein powder on it. But food food should always mm-hmm. be number one. Always. Yeah. Word up. I agree with that. All right. So we got one last question. The question that gets asked to everybody that's on my podcast. But before we get to that. Uh, and wrap up, where can listeners connect with each of you guys on the social web? 
You guys, if you're listening, you have to uh, listen to Mind Pump Radio. It's my favorite fitness podcast. These guys, obviously, as you are now well aware, know their stuff. But where can you know listeners find you guys on, on oh, social? We're all we're mainly on Instagram. That's probably where we're the most active. So if you want to engage and have conversation with us, I'd go to our Instagrams. Uh, they're all very easy. Mine's Mind Pump Adam, Mind Pump Justin. Uh, mind pump Sal. What's kind of cool about what you did today too uh, with these kind of rapid questions, this is actually the flavor of Mind Pump and what grew the podcast is yeah. what we call our quas, our Q&A. <laughs> um, we just where, pronounce QA. Yeah. Right. Q&A. So <laughs> it's it's right. actually what we do three times a week to sound it out. is we, we, we choose four random questions right before we get on the mics and then we answer them just like that. So this was definitely a, a flavor of, of what Mind Pump would be like if you were to listen to us. That's awesome. All right, guys. So uh, everybody on this podcast gets asked, um, you know, so the question is, what does it mean to you to live a genius life? And you could interpret that however you'd like. But because there's three of you, I feel like each of you should get a stab at it if you're uh, if you're feeling up for it. All right. Uh, mm. for, for me, it's uh, living a life of uh, meaning and fulfillment. Uh, I guess as simple as that. And right, what that means for me is my family is very important to me. Um, what we do with our, our business is very important to me because it is something that I feel like is part of my meaning, uh, in the world, which is to, to communicate, um, you know, good health information to people and, and, and be, try to remain humble through the whole process. And I guess that's pretty much it. I think that's yeah. it. I right. love that. So I think for me, just being a constant student and just always approaching each interaction with everybody I meet as a potential for me to learn something. Oh my God. So, I mean, that's basically kind of what the whole podcast has provided is just uh, an endless supply of, of new people, new faces, new ideas. And I'm just like super receptive to uh, change my mind and to grow. Right. I, I know that I'm wise because I know that I know nothing. So I'm with Justin on that. I, I definitely think that living a genius life to me is that pursuit of, of consistent growth day over day that I'm a better version of myself yesterday. I'm competing with nobody but myself uh, and that pursuit never ends. So, and you're right. I think this, the, this environment that we've created for ourselves uh, feeds that. And it's such a privilege to hang out and be friends with people like yourself and to stretch those limits. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Man, what beautiful answers, you guys. Well, thank you so much for spending the past hour with me. This has been so fun, and you guys are welcome to come back, obviously, whenever you want onto The Genius Life. I feel like this is going to be the first of many. You guys listening, be sure to share this episode on social media. Take a screen grab. Post it up on your Instagram stories. Get your, you know, highlight your favorite quote from Adam, Sal, Justin. Tag them. Mind Pump Adam, Mind Pump Sal, Mind Pump Justin. Tag me. Spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. As always, I value your time and attention. Peace.